0: CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and Blackberry. Welcome to CTN CIO Talk Network with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall.
1: Hello, and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. And the topic for today is le- leading the new digital native generation. And I have with me Earl Newsom, who's the vice president and CIO for Praxair. Hey, Earl, how are you?
2: I am outstanding. How are you doing today?
1: Very good, sir. Very good. Thanks for having me. We would love to uh, get some input from you on this interesting topic, because we're going to talk about centennials. And, and this is the truly the first truly digital native generation who did not know what uh, an analog phone is all about or uh, a non-touch phone is all about, right? So, so, so you can think about that. And then these people at the same time are being also seen as folks who are very sharp, but they will be argumentative. They have a short attention span. They, in some cases, get demotivated easily. And also they... Some people say, I don't want to grossly generalize this, but they say that to put the personal priorities and commitments over what the organization which they work with wants. So if we are looking at IT, and I'm sure this, this generation is not just coming into IT, but even otherwise, but since it's uh, we're talking in the IT context and CIOs are supposed to build the generation, next generation of workforce which will support the new business priorities, What would that look like with these centennials? What will you do to help develop them? And also, how do you get them to create most value for the organizations? So that said, uh, Earl, the first question comes comes is, because we we had similar discussions. I remember me doing a couple of shows on this topic about millennials. And they also were new, not exactly the same behavior, but there was some some similarities, and we are still day talking about multi-generational workforce related challenges and opportunities. And it's not fully done yet, as per some of the leaders who I speak with, but would love to see where do you see, what's your view on the state of multi-generational workforce integration?
2: I think this is a really great topic uh, and I'm very thankful that uh, you've given me the opportunity to kind of give you my thoughts on it. Uh, The first thought I have on this stuff is, you know, you started talking about the way we start to uh, identify and segment you know, parts of the generations, right? Uh, and we calling the centennials and this native, digital native generation. Uh, I will tell you that I think these segments of the population are not just generational. They're probably more individual than they are generational. And so we'll see some of the things that you've described to the centennials as being things I see in baby boomers, things I see in, you know, the aging populations, et cetera. So I think uh, I think the degree to what a particular segment of the population exhibits these things changes, um, and the degrees in which individuals, uh, you know, attend to these needs changes. Uh, but I think we've had these with us a long time. Um, you know, short attention span, argumentative. I think we all know people like that. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, when you start thinking about the millennials, in this multi-generational workforce, I think that's the real thing. And I think multi-generational not only deals with the digital natives uh, that are entering and working longer, but also the 55 and older crowd, right? And so when I think of multi-generational, I think we've got to really span the entire set of generations because people are living longer, working longer. We have to deal with you know, the 65 to 85 uh, crowd, as well as we have to deal with those of the Z generation those are starting to enter the workforce now um, in the digital natives. And so from an IT perspective, I think we have to recognize the, the individual nature of these human beings. And so as with digitalization has driven, has driven uh, hyper-personalization, um, and, and we think about employee you know, customer experiences and then focus on the CX side, I think now we need to be focused on the EX side, so employee experiences. Are going to be much more important, and we need to we need to hyper personalize leveraging digital technology those employee experiences to those people who are entering the workforce now or staying in the workforce longer. I mean, you know, we know that you know, those who are staying in the workforce longer may need uh, special care, you know, in terms of having you know monitors that are bigger or you know, less mobility options, et cetera. And so they're working longer. So we need to we can leverage technology to provide them a uh, better work experience as well as those native digital natives who are expecting a pure digital experience. And so with digitalization, um, we can provide that hyper personalized experience. And I think the nature of work in twenty twenty five, uh we'll call it that, or even you know, twenty thirty five we'll start you know, dating ourselves that way is this hyper personalized work environment where we give workers more choice. Um, and by giving them more choice between the work that they, the tasks that they need to get done, how they do those tasks, and the time required to get those tasks done, if, when we give them choice and autonomy, uh, that's going to be the new way of working, and that's the new nature of the workforce, and I, that's how I'm even doing it now with some of our millennials you know, is trying to give them some autonomy over that time, task, and function required to get the objective done. And so <clears throat> we still need, as managers, to give objectives, um, but I think in terms of how you get those objectives done, the more autonomy uh, that you give the newer workers, the more engaged they are. Um, and so to me, that's the new world of work, hyper-personalization, more autonomy, uh, and that's how we engage the millennials. And this hyper-personalization, again, I tell you, extends to the older workers uh, as well. They need the same amount of choice, and we need to apply the same principles of, like, customer experience mapping. Uh, We need to apply the same thing to employee experience mapping um, and then maximizing the employee's experience during their work day um, and, you know, this work-life integration, uh, their work-life, we'll call it, um, and look for those moments of truth in their experience in which to inject a a digital capability uh, to give them that autonomy over time, task, and function to accomplish specific objectives. That's That's what, I think that's That's going to be the hallmark of what work's going to look like in 2035.
1: So I totally see the futuristic approach and frankly, what the paint, the picture that you painted looks very real the way we are going. Now, bringing them, these people today, of course, it's good to show them vision for what 2035 is. On the ground, we are, as enterprises, not fully digital. Most of enterprises are not fully digital. So you are also carrying legacy debt, you got technology debt, you got system and process related debt. When you bring these people in, what is the promise? Are you going to tell them that, hey, you look in 2035, but today your work may not be the sexiest or the the most most, uh, digital, if you will, all the time? Because they would come with that utopic expectation. Are you going to disappoint them?
2: That's a, great, that's a great question, uh, and I think the world of work, you know, while you're right, we are talking about the vision and how it will change, and they, they can actually help shape that vision. You know, that's part of the attraction. You, you know, you tell them we're not there yet, but we need you to help us get there. So, I mean, that's uh, you know, part of what they come to the workplace with is to help us navigate that journey, help people see, you know, the new world of work and embrace it. I think we also have to deal with, quite frankly, uh, the forces that are against that, and there's some traditional forces, whether it's you know security, legal, HR, uh, that have to modify them, their behaviors in order to really embrace this new world of work. That's part of the journey to the future is changing some of those underlying foundational capabilities of businesses and modernizing them so they recognize this new world of work, this new direction of the world of work, is that being okay? I think that's an important aspect of this. And then I think on the ground, what you end up having to do is in circumstances where you can apply this new world of work today, you do so. Uh, And so what I call that is allow for freedom and innovation at the edge. So at the edge of our organizations, um, whether that's in, you know, small uh, departments that are operating at the edge, you know, close to the customer, close to the plants, close to the operations, where we allow a little bit more autonomy typically in most businesses, um, that's where we do it. And so I call it freedom at the edge. Uh, and by, you know, you come into our organization, um, I encourage you to, I actively encourage you to demonstrate freedom at the edge of this autonomy over time, task, and function to accomplish your objectives um, and leveraging digital capabilities to do that. Uh, you, you're amazed what you can do. Uh, it's almost as if you're embracing shadow IT, uh, which I think is the right thing for businesses to do, but embracing shadow IT within IT. So, I call that freedom at the edge. Um, and uh, I've had some really great examples where freedom at the edge has led to some amazing uh, discoveries uh, and deliverables and, and products and services that were created leveraging that freedom by millennials.
1: So, you know, so let, let's look at the current IT and business landscape. So, one is to say, okay, Centennial, because you're coming, I'm going to start thinking differently. But then we also have to normalize against the other generations that coexist and also have to map it back to or rather balance it with what the expectations that the workforce overall is having from us. Do you think a baby boomer who's almost retired, I'm sure for the most part, Gen Xers are getting into that retirement age and we are trying to more novel ideas and more innovation, cross-training, up-training, and and their family systems are changing. So there are a lot of moving parts. So what would you say is the workforce's expectation from us, let alone Centennial, because they are joining the mix and they will just create a wrench in the system, if you were to think about to be too different, but what is the current workforce asking from us?
2: I mean, I think that's a, I mean, it's, a, it's a great question, but I also, and I've been, you know, thought about this question and been asked it before, but when we look at the current workforce and we balance that to the the largest part of the workforce, which is the millennial, and the new entries into the workforce, which is going to be even greater, uh, you begin to see that the power shift has already happened. It's it's almost as if what does the establishment you know, just thinking politically, you know, from, you know, if you, if you think about what is the establishment need from those that are now entering the political landscape and what their demands are and their voices are being loudly heard. Uh, and so I think the same thing is happening in the workforce is the, you know, the millennials and that emerging workforce and the centennials voices will be exceptionally loud. And so what does the existing workforce need um you know from that uh is I think they need to listen um and so We, as baby boomers, uh, et cetera, and maybe Gen Xers, uh, need to uh, listen to the larger segment of the emerging workforce because their voice is going to be loud. And they are the ones shaping the future of work, um, and so we have to listen to them. I think with the aging population, and this is where I believe in this notion of hyper personalization and personalizing employee experiences across the multi generational landscape, that's going to be the responsibility of management to ensure. Sure that our legacy workforce is also taken care of and having uh, positive working experiences, and so those characteristics, which you know, you know, identify where which people identify as successful, uh, as Gen Xers or as Baby Boomers, and what motivates them, uh, those are the things and the experiences that we're going to have to offer to those employees to provide them, uh, you know, whether it's more. Uh, Job responsibility, whether it's the opportunity to refresh or retool themselves, whether it is you know taking IT professionals and giving them some more business uh, content and, and, and creating more business professionals out of our legacy IT people because they bring a lot of value to that, uh, and inserting them in business roles um, where they can expand their capabilities and their responsibilities and their impact on the businesses that they serve. I mean, those are great opportunities to personally the experience uh, for our you know baby boomers and Gen Xers and so I think if we again if we type if we take this notion of digitalization which allows us to hyper personalize the consumer experience you know why can't we apply those same principles to the employee experience for the multi-generational aspects of their experience and then let digitalization uh, really uh, move that so you know Again, that that may mean more flexibility for the older workers. It may mean the ability to work more remotely from your, you know, you, you're taking your your summer home or your winter home <laughs> could be in some different place. And why don't we enable that, uh, you know, et cetera? So I think uh, there's ways for us to look at the employee experiences and look at these various personas of these various employees from the various generational aspects and then create uh, experiences that match those generational aspects and then maximize them in our, in our marketplace. And so what we do um, as leaders, it's our responsibility to ensure that every employee that, uh, is maximizing their experience, which, then, which therefore leads to higher engagement, which we all know leads to better productivity and business outcomes.
1: So, Earl, when when you mentioned about this new uh, generation coming in and the whole organization trying to accommodate them, and in that process, we want to shift things. Do you think if we are going to put focus on whosoever is new, are we unknowingly cannibalizing on the otherwise effectiveness of the existing segments of the workforce?
2: Well, I don't think so. I, I, you know... Uh yeah. I, again I think you I mean when I say I mean we have to pay attention we have to listen to those voices because this is the new workforce um, but when we personalize these work experiences for all of the workforce uh, then I think we're optimizing for uh, the entire population uh, again you know uh, this hyper personalization the concept which we do for consumerized products we can equally do for the employee experience um, and so uh, I, I think it's it's a big call for corporations uh, to think about the hyper-personalized experience for employees, irrespective of generation, and then mapping those desired experiences to those outcomes. I think that's how you do it. And um, and, and so, I hate to say this, but I think it's, you have to treat individuals as individuals. Um, and then, uh, if you're treating them as individuals, then I think you'll get the maximum output from them, um, you know, uh, you know, for your business, and I, you know, I, I'm reminded of Daniel Pink's drive um, in this notion about how do I really maximize uh, um, creativity and innovation and productivity uh, from individuals. I do that by giving this, them this autonomy over time, Tyson, and function. And so, you know, when we give our employees that autonomy in um, the appropriate levels uh, of that autonomy based upon their generational and individual needs, um, I think we can. Uh, We will maximize that, and we won't sub-optimize, and and maybe more to your point, we won't sub-optimize the contribution of other groups. Um, And so, you know, I think through this personalization and, and, you know, hyper-personalization on the employee front, uh, we actually will optimize the contribution of all groups and not sub-optimize any of them.
1: So when we are looking at the centennials and you are – uh, trying to develop them and I'm not saying you're bending over backwards, but then you you want to get them to become the best they can be. You have a very you know good motive behind that. At the same time, as a business, you want to get value from them. So are we almost like as parents spoiling the children by giving them whatever so that they never complain? But at the same time, we are, are we also disciplining them or, or looking at ways for them to play their role, what they are supposed to? But let's, before we get into it, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss. And this is for Centennials, who we are trying to develop and also help them create the most value in return for the organization. Please stay tuned.
0: Or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. So, uh Earl, le- as, as I mentioned that, yes, as parents will like to, you know, give the world to our kids and and and, and, uh, and that we feel are responsible. So similarly, when we are saying, okay, these are the next generation of the future, so we should offer them whatever flexibility and we should change to help them feel at home, if you will, right? If that's what I would, I want to call it as a family. But then there is also a reality, a business reality where they need to deliver versus having us dance to their tunes. Not saying that they are, but that could be a way of looking at it. So what's your response to uh, or, or to the, the balance creation, a deliberate, intentional balance creation that yes, we should take care of them and yes, we should develop them, but there should also be a way for us to balance the equation where we're saying Is organization benefiting from your contribution?
2: Right, I think that's an important thing, and I, I, and I do want to address this notion of do we coddle uh, or pay heed while we listen to their voice, uh, you know, do we have to, you know, follow that direction. Uh, you know, I think we ought to be, you know, centennial and, you know, millennial inspired, um, not necessarily driven. Um, because you're right, we have, the, we have the responsibilities of our, again, as I talk about the, the, the older population, who are probably more likely to be owners of our companies and, and stockholders and, and, you know, managing and running businesses who are our customers of the businesses that we offer. We have to support and deliver against those needs as well. So I even say the whole thing about customers. Uh, we need to be customer-inspired, not customer-driven. Um, and so, you know, uh, the customer you know is always a customer, but the customer may not. Always be right, um, and so I think when you think about you know millennials and you think about the centennials, I mean they are the new workforce. They have their desires, uh, but they may not always be right. Uh, and so we need to be inspired by them, not driven. Uh, so that means we have to have our own responsibilities. And, and we know that, you know, even as you mentioned, from the family situation, raising our kids, um, you know, we, we growing up, you know, we knew the older we got, the smarter our parents became. I think the same thing will happen with the Centennial and the workforce is that the older they get, and we see that right now with, you know, the older millennials, uh, they do realize that um, the Gen Xers did and the Baby Boomers did know what they were talking about so I think you know uh, uh, and we're seeing that in the maturation of some of these uh, millennials who are running companies who realize uh, that you do have to pay attention to stakes you know You still have to pay attention to the marketplace, Uh, and some of those fundamentals ring true. Um, And so I think uh, as we look at the workforce, these fundamentals ring true, and we need to teach uh, the folks the fundamentals. And I always talk about uh, a particular principle, which I call taking care of soldiers, which means that you don't take care of a soldier by coddling them. Uh, You take care of a soldier by making sure that they're equipped well, they're trained well, and they're practiced well. I think we owe that to our employees. Uh, that we make sure that every employee that enters the workforce, the centennials included, that they're trained well, they understand what it takes to run and, and maintain and, de- and deliver value to our customers and our business, that we train them well and we practice them on doing that in a safe and zone, and we give them all the right equipment to get that done. Now, that equipment may change over time as we become more and more digital, but the, the training and practicing on how to do things the right way and delivering value to our customers is fairly consistent. So uh, I think that's what we owe them. Uh, So I think we should be inspired, not driven, and we owe teaching you know uh, the new entrants into the workforce the fundamentals of good, solid business practice.
1: So one is to be able to say, okay, um, you know, let's let's kind of have them also step up and and you know play the game the way it is supposed to be played and create value. So when we j- just let's let's kind of paint a picture about the different generations that uh, exist so you got baby boomers on their way out gen xers for the most part senior to mid management and then millennials getting into management and centennials replacing the younger millennials each of them as generations bring a certain way that they think they act the way they prioritize the way they make friends or or create that you know that team dynamic and also the way they perceive work-life balance. HR, policies, um, how, how people work with each other, the policies and, 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 and our the so-called playbook on how to run an organization is not created, at least I've never seen a customized playbook by generation. And if you don't customize, that means you're not doing the best you could for that given type of workforce, not grossly generalizing, but maybe a category-based personalization. So are we giving lip service to this multi-generational customization and not doing something in practice? Or there is another thing which I'm not aware of.
2: That's a great, great question, and I sort of mentioned that in the earlier part of our conversation, that we have to bring everybody along. Um, And, you know, when we think about, you know, what the IT group can do, we can bring digital services, we can bring those kinds of capabilities, but it does take a fundamental shift in legal security, and HR to fully embrace the multi-generational needs uh, of an aging population and an emerging uh, youthful population, as you mentioned, with their different priorities, et cetera. So... We have to pay attention to the fundamentals, but and this is what I talk about. We have to be inspired by them. And so in our inspiration uh, of thinking about centennial policies, we've got to re- re-look at our HR, what, you know, because they, they share more typically. So in the sharing economy, um, in, in, in sharing in this, uh, in the notion of the, the, the trap, the, the migrant worker, and they're talking about, you know, job hopping becoming more of a reality, um, than it, it had been in the past, et cetera. So when we recruit, you know, you know, now the expectation is to have more experiences than less. Uh I think these are the things that are gonna have to um be part of our inspiration as we look to new policies, new ways of grading, new ways of determining who's an acceptable candidate, uh, new ways of, of nurturing and growing that successful candidacy, you know, uh you know, the expectation is that uh, you know, in my career in a particular company for the millennials and the centennials is likely to be more variation uh and then less uh, and so that means we have to adapt our policies we have to adapt our procedures we have to adapt our management style to embrace that um and i think that that's just going to be part of what it's going to take to uh keep them engaged um and so you know i i think you know i think you you hit on the, the hardest part of this whole journey uh is how do we adapt these you know policies and procedures um you know to accommodate in some of our legacy companies uh, to be more digital native, sensitive, and inspired. We don't need to throw them out, but we need to let them be inspired and create um, maybe this new form uh, of multi-generational policies. Um, and we have multi-generational policies which are respected among the various generations. We don't have multi-generational values. The values of the organization needs to be consistent. Um, the culture, organization needs to be consistent, um, but I think some of the policies can vary based upon generational needs. Um, and so, like we think about policies that can be localized by country uh, or localized by uh, geography or localized by industry, now we need to localize them by generation. And I think that's a great idea.
1: So, given on the ground, so let's take your organization, for example. In your department, just within your department, you had to come up with a playbook of generational, cross-generational camaraderie and policies. What would be your request to your uh, HR and your management so that you get the most value for these people and also you come across as someone who truly cares for people
2: again I think that's a great question and the way that uh, uh, my request you know to their HR population uh, would be that um, we have to work on you know you know creating uh, you know this. And we've done this in the past, job rotation programs and those kinds of things. So um, as we bring, you know, the new generation in, uh, we've got to formalize our job rotation programs kind of around, you know, they need to be, you know, driven by the corporations. We need to formalize the ability for um, self training and self teaching and and, and and mobilization so that uh they can mobilize and work uh, independently I think we need to formalize uh <clears throat> you know our policy around uh, and create environments and and i, and I like what uh, some of the the french organizations are doing you know going from work uh place to work space um and this is a great great concept uh of You know, called the workspace. Where, if you think about in your own personal home, you know, you have a room where you go read. You have a room where you go listen to music. You have a room where you eat. You have these places, these spaces in your home, which typically you know make you more productive doing a particular task. I think we have to be flexible in our work environment, uh, inside companies, to create these workspaces that are designed to allow individual choice for people to go and maximize. um, you know their productivity, and I think we need to have policies and procedures um, and environments that are optimized for employee choice uh, to choose the space and where they choose to go work. And so, uh, I think that's an important uh, capability to add. Uh, I think for for what we've done, you know, uh, as from a department, absence of. You know you know something going on from an HR legal or security standpoint I think individual managers uh, have to encourage uh, again what I've called this innovation or freedom at the edge where we get individual productivity um, and freedom from some of our new entrants into the workforce to go and see a particular problem or opportunity and solve it locally uh, we've done that and uh, actually globally I've uh, and a specific example uh, was in, uh, one One of our uh, organizations in South America, we have some uh, great talent uh, that has gone out and done some interesting things about improving the ability uh, to use digital and digital technologies to improve order entry for a particular segment of our business. It's fantastic. It was done by a millennial, uh, a young millennial who who took – the initiative on their own uh, to go in and pursue this particular uh, digital opportunity um, and then was able to translate some value for the local organization and ultimately, you know, uh, was seen and and shared uh, more globally. And so I think when you, when you encourage this innovation and freedom at the edge of your organization and you enable that to happen, that shows people that you care, that shows them that you care about how they think and how they operate, uh, you can give them a, an objective. And I think that's also part of our responsibility of not just of being inspired by them but also giving them objectives which are useful for the business uh, to achieve and but giving them the independence to go achieve that uh, on their own. And so, I mean, it's just a great example of that. And I think if we can formalize those kinds of things and reward people for uh, those individual contributions on this hyper-personalized level, I think we'll get more engagement from those centennials and young millennials who, as you mentioned, are moving into middle management. And and if we teach them those kinds of capabilities, um, then you know the new workforce uh, will be even more empowered to do what's right for our customers, what's right for our employees, and what's right for our product and services.
1: So on the ground, since we have been dealing with a similar centennial-type uh, situation or like a new workforce coming in, like Millennial, A little different but not a whole lot so if you were to you know go back on your previous experiences dealing with them and the type of requests they made and the type of concessions or accommodations you did and and how you got them to feel that you care and how did you get them to deliver the value that you were thinking so what worked for you which you think you can leverage even for this new generation?
2: I, yeah, I think you you know th- that's where I go into this this notion about you know I, I, like I call it, taking care of soldiers, taking care of employees. Um, I think my, you know the biggest thing that, you know that I think you can do is uh, really three things. You, you know, first of all, you know, this sort of taking care of the employee. Uh, do that in the millennial. Do that in the centennial. You know, give them the tools that they need to get the job done. Train them on the use of those tools, um, and then allow them a safe place to go. You know, practice the use of those tools uh, so that they can learn uh, about you know, how that gets done and how the value gets delivered. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we call this, you know, people are talking about this notion of smart failures and, uh, I call them learnings. Uh, and I think we got to give our employees, especially the Centennials, um, you know, an opportunity and they're used to this project based learning as, as education has changed the way that they've, they've, they've been taught, um, you know, this project based learning model. I, I think we take what, you know what the colleges are, are producing and, and, and starting to leverage this project based model um I think we can do the same thing in, in corporations um in embracing those the new generation and give them project based learning um and, and that's the way that we tool equip and train uh uh them and practice them uh to get them you know really productive in the workforce that's number one number two is i think as leaders uh we have to you know um you know, be strategically, tactically, and technically competent. Uh, I think I I would encourage, you know, all of us to think about strategic competence, and that means knowing which direction it goes, so helping set the direction. Again, I think that's our objective, uh, to set the direction uh, for, you know, what we want these millennials to do and for them to contribute to the workforce. Uh, Then in Centennial as well, Uh, I think then after that, we have to be tactically uh, competent in which we set forth the steps that they need to go through to get this done while giving them autonomy, but we can give them um, you know, a, a way to think through a framework, if you will, of how to think through how to solve a particular problem. And then lastly, I think this is the most important thing, is this is this technically competent, which is means, I mean, you know, don't be afraid of centennials, roll up your sleeves and, and, and work with them. Uh, and that means you know i i 'm just a glad sponsor of some first robotics teams um and you go there and you meet the these these you know growing centennials uh, who are um, building some amazing things um, and and starting to uh, you know, be prepared in the workforce. Some of them are on these first robotics teams are building organizations that have vice presidents and general managers of sales in them, et cetera, and they're building corporate structures, um, even in high school, you know, to participate in some of these exercises. Um, And so you roll up your sleeves and you go work with them, and you'll be amazed not only what you can teach them, uh, and I think if we do that, uh, we can fully embrace them uh, and get them ready for the workforce, and then ready us for the next generation.
1: So here, when you actually went ahead and worked the strategies that you that you tried to accommodate, how much of that do you think are transferable to the Centennial Challenge from what you did for millennials?
2: I think it's uh, pretty much 100% uh, transferable. Uh, again, I think you personalize it, you know, for, you know, that particular generational. Uh, but I would say, you know, you, you you do the same things. You know, you got to make sure that you set forth, the, you, you train, practice them well, you get involved from a leadership perspective in terms of stru- strategic and tactical and technical directions. Um, and then I think you, uh, lastly, I mean, I think, centennials, and uh, the work which wants to be seen as a valuable contribution. So you've got to give them valuable things to do. Um, and so I would say that's actually the third thing is, is to ensure that, you know, you give them valuable work. Um, in the Army we called it Be All That You Can Be, and we do more in the morning than most people do all day. I think that applies to soldiers and it applies to employees. So, you know, everybody, I think, wants to be all that they can be. And that's the way we get the most out of the workforce. And then we got to give them more to do than most people do all day. So they want to be challenged. And so, um, you know, I think it's a personal kind of a a thing for me, but I think it's also an opportunity for management to always try to make sure your workforce is is productively engaged.
1: Now, um, looking at your, you know, the, the outcome that you are being asked to deliver, and even that is shifting. How much of an impact will it have in terms of your ability to deliver when the different generations that are coming in, especially this new generation, while on the surface they are digitally native so they should understand things properly, but they may have their own quirks which you will take time to handle or or learn how to handle. How does that prepare you? How well, how well prepared do you feel with the infusion of these multi-generational things, plus the the changes in the expectations from the business?
2: Well, I think I think they're matched. Uh, you know, uh, I think that there's a there's a, there's a critical thing, and and I call this a six-word story, and you know, uh, made famous by that Ernest Hemingway six-word story. But this one I call it's their ambition, your ambition should match, right? And so when you think about what's happening with business, uh, the ambition of business and the digital ambition of business is growing. You know, every enterprise, every industry is starting to express their digital ambition. And I think that digital ambition is going to move more into the exploration side and less in, you know, from the kind of, uh, i call it optimization side so we go from optimization to exploration uh of our business models uh of our products and services and i think the gradual shift to you know this exploration so we can generate growth um is part of the business outcomes um that are going to be a hallmark of the you know of, of you know 2019 and beyond uh and i think if that's what's happening with the outcomes and the expectations of businesses for us to do more exploration around, you know, improvements in digitalization in our products and services um, and employees, uh, then there's a perfect match uh, with their aspiration to help us do that so you know when when we match the centennial's aspiration of of providing those kind of digitalized hyper personalized sets of services, products and experiences to the business outcomes which are being driven by the same uh ambition uh when those match, that's where we see magic and so uh I see um the outcomes that are be that are being driven today uh, being tightly aligned uh with those of the centennials um and so with that. I think you're going to get hyper-productivity. Um, but at the same time, in order for us to really uh, take advantage of that, we have to be hyper-inclusive. So, you know, I think about diversity. I think about inclusion. But I think, you know, those those two things are necessary. You know, the diversity of the workforce, the diversity of the generations is a necessity in our organizations so that we can really understand what our customers need. Um, but we need to include that diversity in order to gain the value of it, then ultimately we need to collaborate with that diversity in order to create the value that's required by our customers. And so to me, it's diversity plus inclusion plus collaboration equals the creation of value. Then that creation of value uh, ultimately will translate into better business outcomes um, for everyone. So I think that's the formula.
1: What do you think is the kind of leadership mindset shift you will need to embrace and other leaders will have to embrace so that whatever you did with millennials, that's fine. And things are not getting any easier or or straightforward. They are going to come in different forms and passions. And plus on top of it, you got this multiple generational uh, shifts that are happening. What would you do in yourself, a shift in yourself, which will allow you to Come across and also in true sense, be the leader you need to be so that you lead the charge and be the Pied Piper taking these multiple generations in the direction the organization needs to take them to.
2: That's a great great question. I think I'm, and I and you know I, and I, when I give this challenge out to uh you know executives and, and especially executives in IT organizations, you know, I say I give them really three challenges. I say you know number 1 uh I, I think we need to embrace our peculiarity, you know, and by that I mean, you know, IT folks and IT organizations are considered, you know, the geeks, uh, you know, know, whether it was a pocket protector or the high water pants or, you know, doing skateboards in Silicon Valley to show, you know, uh, you know that we that were are creative. You know we are considered you know the geeks uh, within the business unit. So let's embrace that peculiarity and go out there and embrace the centennials first. Uh, and so you know one challenge is I would say just let's embrace the centennials first. Bring them in you know, in that diverse that diversity inclusive collaborative model. I said that to create value, uh, we should be the first and best uh, collaborators with the Centennial, uh, the Centennial. So I challenge all my technology professionals to let's go be the first at that and embrace our geekness um, and use that as that they would expect us to be the first to go embrace the Centennials because, uh, you know, we are the geeks in the organization. So why wouldn't we? Uh, the second thing is I think we need to help drive out, Uh, you know, any bias. You know, in the process. Bias in algorithms and this is the digital challenge. We've got to drive out bias in the algorithms and bias in the data. And so we've got to make sure that we aren't uh, using stale or non-inclusive data to help drive uh, these very important business decisions. Um, we as the IT people and the technology professionals, you know, we can really help the organizations drive out that bias um, in either the algorithms or the data that they're using to, within those algorithms to produce Business results and so let's let's do that let's go ahead and it it, it it take on that challenge and i think the third thing that we need to do is i think we need to raise our own personal digital i q and we do that through uh you know the the old reverse mentoring program you know find a centennial, um you know uh you know, find a high schooler, uh, you know, and spend some time understanding, you know, how they think, how they operate, uh, you know, train yourself. Uh, again, I think it's a, it's a, it's a mentoring, mentee, uh, kind of opportunity, uh, for you to raise your own digital IQ to understand the art of the possible, understand what they're thinking, what their drives are, uh, but also help train them on the fundamentals and those which are important. So. I think those are the three things, and those are the, those are the things that I would do and am doing, um, and I think those are essential for preparing us for the future workforce.
1: On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, Earl, for sharing your insights on how organizations can invite centennials in, help them develop, and in that process also help them deliver the most value to the organization. It was a great, insightful conversation. Thanks so much. Thank you. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, CIO Talk Network, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. And we have a LinkedIn community, and we have podcasts on almost every possible syndication platform. So please subscribe and give us your feedback. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
0: CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by RedMain and BlackBerry.